Good morning. I hope you're charged up from that worship. That was awesome. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one of those rhythmic, rhythmically challenged persons, and uh, uh, I don't quite know how to clap and sing at the same time, so I have to pick or choose. Uh, and so I chose to clap. That's, uh, even after hearing it for the third time this weekend, uh, I'm still not quite there, but I can enter into that and uh, participate in that. And it's awesome to just be a part of uh, what God is doing in this place. Uh, over the last five weeks, we've been talking uh, through the series uh, called Scandalous Love, talking about God's vast, great, endless, overwhelming, beautiful love for us. Uh, and I've thought about it, and it's a bit like we've had for years around here, because we've talked about God's love being radical, and it looks like Jesus dying on the cross for his enemies, and this radical, unquenchable love. And it's a bit like we've had this beautiful, ornate box that we know is priceless. And we've had this displayed at our church, and we've called it God is love, but we've not opened it. And over the last five weeks, we've been opening this box and looking inside to see what is there. And for some of us, it has been a bit surprising. Some of us expected God's love to look a certain way, and that inside this box would be uh, certain pieces of, of, of treasures or something that we would know what to do with. But in many ways, we haven't known what to do with this message of God is love. It's a bit more like this box proved to be a, a music box. And if you're anything like me, what do you do with a music box? I, how do you know what to do with that thing? It's, it, and it's a bit like this box uh, was so ornate and, and, and so beautiful. It's a one-of-a-kind thing. And imagine we took this box, this music box, to the, the antique roadshow where they appraise antiques on television. If you've ever seen this, and they bring on these things, and, and, and the appraiser looks at it and says, you know what, I can't appraise this. Because no one would purchase it because it's that valuable. It's, you can't sell this. I can't put a dollar figure on this. You have to understand what you have here and learn to enjoy this priceless piece. And that's what God has given us, this, tre this treasured music box. Today, we're going to do something different, whereas the last five weeks we've been opening the music box and, and, and listening to the music and trying to understand what it is. Today we're going to talk about what we do with this music box. How do we handle this music box? What, what, is, it, what is our responsibility with the music box? How do we return love back to God when he has loved us so greatly? Let's pray as we enter into this. Jesus, we thank you that you have loved us with this great love. And it's surprising and it's endless and it's overwhelming. Thank you that we can participate in it in a new way. And I pray that you would teach us your ways in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As Greg has been unpacking this great love for us, uh, he asked me, I'm Scott Bourne, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, to share this with you. Uh, he's in Canada speaking this weekend at a church there. Uh, he asked me to, to share with you guys about the nature of returning love back to God. 
And if we're going to understand how we return love back to God and our responsibility with this music box, the best place to start is with Jesus' great commandment. In response to one of the Pharisees who asked, which is the greatest commandment of all? Out of the 613 Old Testament commandments or Old Testament laws, which one is the greatest? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. For most of us in this room, you've probably heard this a few times. I know that I have. But if you're anything like me or anything like a lot of the churches that, are, that teach on some of these things, uh, this can easily get turned into a contract understanding of God's love. We've been talking about how we turn God into a contract God. We can also turn our love for God into a contract approach of loving. Now, the approach, uh, if we were thinking about the music box, it'd be like saying, okay, now that we understand what the music box is and God's great love for us, now let's look for the instruction manual. So we pull out the drawer underneath and say, is, are there instructions to this? And there, there are no instructions to it. And we go online and we're searching everywhere. How do you clean the music box? How do you handle the music box? How do you fix the music box? How, how do you store the music box? We're just, what is our responsibility? If God has loved us with this great love, what do we do? What's our, what do, how do we respond to this? Where is the instruction manual? We need to know what is our responsible thing to do as good Christians. So as, the more we look, the more we realize that it's not there. So we search and search and search. And so finally, we just see this one slip of paper that falls out of the music box. And it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. This is what you do with the music box. A few years ago, I was wrestling with some things about my response to God and who God was. And I realized that I had put God within a certain set of boundaries. This, in other words, was God's responsibility to love me in a certain way. He redeemed me. He acquitted me. Therefore, I can go to heaven. I'm free from sin. This was his responsibility. Then there was my responsibility. God, what do you want me to do in response to that? This is what's called a contract way of loving God. God loves me. He does what he's supposed to do. I do what I'm supposed to do. I volunteer at the right places. I worship at the right times. I pray according to the right formula that I've been taught. I read my Bible properly. And I do all the stuff that I'm supposed to do to love God back. God, you do your part and I'll do mine. And hopefully I've been promised and I've been told if I do that, my life will be better. And, and that is just a, I realized that is not what God wanted me to participate in. This is a contract view of God's love. Under this contract point of view of love, loving God actually becomes a rule or a duty, an obligation or an expectation. With this perspective, worship can become a drudgery. You show up because you have to. 
Reading the Bible, a chore. You're like, okay, I've got to read the Bible. I'm a good Christian. This is what it means to be a good Christian. Prayer becomes a ritual. It's something that we do. And a lot of different traditions express this in a lot of different ways. And, and leaders in those traditions can actually mo- try to motivate people. I don't think they intend to do this, but they can motivate us to do things as if God is over here and we're over here. And God does his part and we do our part. And hopefully somehow it works out in the end. We can look like we're devoted to God. We can live moral lives. We can look upstanding and like everything is right. We can be a part of the right ministries. We can volunteer at the right places. We can read our Bible every day. We can even preach and lead people to Jesus. We can even minister to the poor. But if you understand God's love for you through a contract lens, if you're seeing God through a a veneer or a screen that reads God as having a contract relationship with you where he does his part and we do ours, you'll end up dying inside. You'll wither away. Because you see this great love, this overwhelming love, who can measure up to this love? It's, it's as if uh, a, a rich person, the richest person, one of the richest persons in the world came up to you and said, you know what? You don't have to work anymore. I'm going to take care of you. All I want from you is I just want to have dinner with you every night. You're like, wait a second. There's got to be a catch somewhere. This is just too good to be true. You mean you just want to have a relationship with me? Yeah. I just want to be your friend. Let's just be friends. I'm, I'm going to... Free you of all obligations. We're just going to be friends. We're like, no, 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 wait a second. I can't just have a relationship with you. That, yeah, you're taking care of me, but what's my part? How do I give back enough to you? You can't give back enough. God has forgiven us so greatly. What can we do? But yet, that's what, how we often see our love for God. It's, tr- it's like we're trying to measure up with his love as if it's a 50-50 game. We cannot do that. And if we try to live and love God and return love back to God this way, we will die inside. You see, the music box that God has given us, this beautiful uh, melody that's playing out of us, playing out of this box, must be handled differently than a contract. We need to understand that we are in a relationship with Jesus that resembles more like a marriage than any contract can give us. Revelation 19, 7 through 8 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. We are the bride of Christ. Jesus is your husband. And meaning, he desires a relationship with us that is connected to intimacy, that is about freeing and loving one another. And he gives us this music box as a gift to prepare us for our future day. When we will be fully connected with him. This verse in Revelation 19 is actually pointing to that future day when we will be united with Jesus. Until then, 
We are to be readying ourselves, preparing ourselves for that relationship with him. So now we are preparing ourselves for the future day. Now, so often when, when we think about a contract relationship with God, we water down the relational aspects of this stuff. We, we are abusing the relational aspects of what Jesus wants for us. Just imagine we are getting to spend in union with Jesus for the rest of our lives. And we're looking at this like, well, Jesus, what do you expect of me? And Jesus is saying, what do you mean, what do I expect of you? I want you to receive my love and love me back. Prepare yourself for eternity to be with me. Excuse me, Jesus, that's a bit like asking me to breathe oxygen underwater. And he's like, exactly right. I want you to prepare yourself for a new life. You, and if you think about it that way, that we are getting, preparing ourselves for eternity to be, to be in union with this Jesus, to be in perfect union and, and, and a bridal relationship with him, that, what, that destroys this contract point of view. We're entering into a relationship with him that we're preparing for. Now, think about it this way. Let's just imagine that you uh, or that I, uh, just use, if I were meeting with Brett Favre this week, and I thought, okay, I like football, but I'm going to prepare myself for this meeting with Brett Favre because I'd really like for him to play football this year for the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm going to under, try to understand Brett Favre as much as I can. What might motivate him to actually play for the Vikings this year? Could I influence that? I'm not just going to guess about what he wants or what he thinks. I'm going to try to understand him and get to know him and, and, and interact with him. Now, I'm not going to go into the, the meeting with, what are your expectations of me, Brett Favre? I'm going to, this, I get to meet with Brett Favre. Now, we get to spend the rest of our lives in all eternity with Jesus, who's vastly in love with us. And we turn it into rules. How do I love Jesus? Well, I read my Bible today. I'm, I must love him, right? Well, I went to church today. I must be in love with Jesus. And we, we look for these thresholds of, am I loving Jesus enough? You can't put enough on love. Love is love. You can't understand love. I remember when I first fell in love with Sean, I was like, man, my life is just crazy. <laughs> I, it wasn't like I could just love her here and I could, then I could go to work. I mean, I was just like, my work world was changing. My everything was changing. I was like, whoa, this is, this is wild. Love consumes everything. And it's, if you think about love in the sense of what are your expectations of me, we're missing the point. And so often we do that in our relationships with our friends or in our spousal relationships. We think, well, I, I'll, often I'll do this. I'm, I'm slow on the uptake. And I think, well, how can I make Shauna happy today? What, her, or, what does she want from me? Well, I'm missing the point. Last week I actually had a, an epiphany. I think I got it for once. After 11 years, I, I think I'm, I may be learning something. Uh, and she forgot her cell phone at home on Sunday morning. And... And I thought, well, you know, whenever the cell phone is two inches away from her body, she freaks out. So I thought, I'm going to run home and get it for her. And I thought, I thought, wow, two epiphanies in one morning. I thought, I'm going to go get her a drink. And I, so I went to uh, Sonic and got her her drink. That she, and I remembered which kind she actually likes. 
And I, I took a chance and I got her breakfast too. And I guessed right. I mean, three for three. I was doing great. And I showed up and she was in a meeting with someone and I just knocked on the door and brought it to her and her face lit up. You see, I was loving her because I wanted to love her, not because that's what she expected of me. And so much of what we, how we love Jesus is read through the lens of, well, what does God expect of me today? That's not love. That's contract. Contract has nothing to do with love. That has to do with everything about obligations. And if your relationship with Jesus and your returning love to Jesus is about obligations, you're going to wilt away inside. You see, our relationship with Jesus is much more like that of a bride with her husband than anything else. And if we're going to enter into this bridal relationship with Jesus, we need to understand and learn how to dance to the music of the music box. If we're going to collapse this distance where God does his part and we do ours, we need to learn to come together in a dance with Jesus. To understand this dance, I want you to imagine that all of life is a big, huge dance floor and everybody is on this dance floor. This isn't like the junior high dance when the guys were standing up against the wall all acting cool, thinking, I'm scared to death. Will she say yes? Will she say no? And all the girls are sitting there going, is he going to ask me? Oh, no. He's got zips today. I don't want him to ask me. Oh, please, God, let him not. This isn't that kind of dance. This is a dance where we're all on the floor. Life is a dance. And there are two basic rhythms to this dance. And I want to use Romans 12, 2 to help us understand these two rhythms. The first rhythm is called the conformed rhythm. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The conformed rhythm. Think of it like a jello mold. Conformed is a Greek word that talks about being changed from the outside in. Where we are conformed, we, are, we fit into something external to us. The conformed rhythm is dictated by the patterns of this world, and most of these patterns are not overtly evil. In other words, you're not going to get in trouble for most of the patterns of the world that Paul is referring to here. It's unlike yesterday where I saw four cops show up for one man and, and, and arrest them. Uh, it, that, he did something that was illegal. Most of the patterns of this world that will keep us out of the dance with God are not illegal. There are things like, I work 65, 70, 75 hours a week. And because of that, I'm ignoring my spouse. There are things like, you know, uh, I only spend seven, eight minutes a day with my children, which is the average amount of time that a typical father spends with their children. There are rhythms of life that say, I'm too busy to have relationships and relationships with God, and I'm too tired to actually talk about loving God, all I can do is barely open a scripture or maybe pull up a devotional online or something and maybe read it. I don't have time for that. Or it's the pattern of life where the average person spends 28 hours per week watching television. These aren't things you're going to get in trouble for doing. They're just the way life is and it's the way we cope with life. It's just what we do. And it's the way America lives its life. And we go along with the flow. And each of us may do it differently. And I'm sure none of you follow these patterns. I know you, this, I'm talking about other people that live this way and do the dance this way. 
And we can fall into often this jello mold of conforming and unknowingly conforming to the patterns of this world. It's not like Satan comes up and says, knock, knock, knock. You're about to conform to the patterns of this world. Be warned. No, he's, he's a lot smarter than that. He lies to us and says, you know what? You have to live this way because you don't have any choice. This is just the way you do life in America. Knock, knock, knock. I'm not, he's not coming and saying that. He's just inviting us into a way of life that looks like a good dance. But it's actually a dance that keeps the music box closed. We admire the music box. We know that God is love. We look at it and think, wow, that's beautiful. I know I'm loved from God in my, by God in my head, but my heart is out of touch with it. We might dance around the music box, but we never open it. The second rhythm is the transformed rhythm. This is the rhythm where we are renewed. It's an alternative pattern. The word transformed here talks about internal change. It is about a change that happens from the inside and moves out. It is about who you are, not what you do. And the who you are dictates what you become. We are transformed by this new rhythm, this new dance. And as we dance, and as these, this covenant, I mean, as this contract relationship between God doing his part and we do our part, as we reimagine that and enter into the dance with Jesus, the love actually becomes us. We become loving. And we look at ourselves and go, wow, I actually want to worship this morning. I actually am entering into this, even though I can't get the music, even though I can't clap on the one and three or two and four or whatever it was he was clapping on. Or I actually want to love my spouse. I actually want to be with Jesus. Something is changing in me because we learn how to dance. So the question for us this morning is how do we learn this dance? And I want to point out a couple of ways that are the wrong paths to learning how to dance. One is the trap that many people think about dancing, that it's just magical. That the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you suddenly learn how to love. But often, that might, most of the time, that results in some ecstatic emotional experience that does not lead to life transformation. I'm not against emotional experiences with God. I think they're good and they're important. But if we want to learn the dance with Jesus, it's not just about having some touch of the Spirit and then going about our life. Coming to the church and getting hit by something God reveals to us, and then we never think about it again. There is more to it than some magical moment with God. On the other side of the spectrum are those who think it's all work and no play. You've seen these guys. They talk about following Jesus. And they have that look on their face where their, their eyebrows lower a little bit. And they talk about God. And they got to emphasize certain words about Jesus and discipleship. And following Jesus is a serious thing. And the more you listen to them, the more you don't want to be around them. Because they start speaking in King James. And, and, and thou, God, are great. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Good. Because I was one of those guys and I wasn't fun to be around and I was mean and judgmental and critical and because I, I thought I was being serious with God and everybody else was just frivolous. And if you're one of those people that you got it right and everybody else has got it wrong, watch out. 
because you're not entering into the dance. Because Jesus was a person whom children liked being around. If you know, if you're dancing, check out if children like you. Jesus was a person that children liked. And I have not seen anybody that children like who was mean or gruff or too serious. So Jesus must have had this beautiful, welcoming side to him. And if you want to be like Jesus, learn to be a person that children like being around. You see, the dance is a freeing thing. It's a joyous thing. And learning how to dance sets us free and puts a smile on us. You see, learning to dance is not magical, nor is it all work, but it does take practice. I grew up in a conservative southern home in Texas uh, where we talked about we don't dance, we don't spit, we don't chew, and we don't smoke, and we don't go with girls who do. (laughs) So to say the least, I did not know how to dance. In fact, I don't have two left feet, I have two left stubs. Uh, which is uh, to Shauna's chagrin because she can, she can, she loves to dance. I'll put it that way. But I, I wanted to learn how to dance. So I was a part of this organization in, in high school called the Future Farmers of America. And I was around a lot of guys who do like to dance. So we went to the state convention and, and uh, our teacher, our ag teacher was not from a conservative background to say the least. And so he decided we're skipping the event tonight and we're going to Gillies. Now, Gillies is a, a country and western bar that was the se- setting for the movie Urban Cowboy. And if you, to say the least, it's a seedy place. It's a, the size of a city, was the size of a city block, and it was dark and dingy, and uh, that's as far as I'll go. But there were three upperclassmen girls that were, they were going to teach me how to dance. Now, dancing with them, they had to really stoop down. And enter into my world because all I did was all no twirling the whole night all the way around the city. It must have been the most boring thing in the world for them. But they did. They taught me how to dance and it took concentration and it took effort and I focused on it. And by the end of the night, I was having fun and entering into it. And I came back home and I, I wanted, I, I like dancing. This was fun. And I, so I thought, I'm going to tell my mom and dad. Ooh, that wasn't, yeah, that was an interesting conversation. But I, got, I finally convinced them that it was okay, and we, we, or maybe they just gave in to my pressure. Uh, I don't know. But I started going more, and I, I started practicing, and it became more fun, and I started you know, leading and twirling, and it, I wasn't, I'm not great. These two left stubs didn't do anything magical, but it was fun, and it wasn't a shameful thing to ask a girl to dance with me. And so... The practice, and as we practice and enter into this dance with God, it does take practice. And at first it might feel very awkward. At first you're going to feel out of control. And at first you might be ashamed of your relationship with Jesus. And and you don't know how to do this. But guess what? Jesus comes to your level. And dances with you where you are. He's not sitting there going, well, you know what? If you would just... Understand the Bible, then, then you can dance with me. Jesus meets you right where you are. 
We then, as we learn to move into these rhythms and we practice them and practice them, they get in us. The dance gets inside of us. The music becomes part of us. And we start moving with Jesus and we think, wow, I actually love people now. That's weird. You know, I'm different. It's not like we sit out and think, okay, I'm going to love God. And I'm going to love people because that's what the Bible commands me to do. Jesus says, no, and come into the dance and let me change you. Let me transform you. Let me make you new. And then you'll freely love. You'll freely love. You see, this is the practice that he invites us into. He invites us into the rhythms of his love. And we learn to dance his dance. Now, how do we practice this? How do we enter into the dance? You might think, just give me a first step. You see, when, when, when I first learned how to dance, the first thing that uh, Tammy, I think was one of the girls, taught me was she said, okay, now put your hand here. I didn't even know what to do. And you might be that place with God. Where do I start? How do you stand when you dance? Every dance has a different stance. Where do you put your hands? What do you do with the music to get started with this? And the same is true when we dance with God. We need to learn how to stand with him. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See. Everyone say see. See. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. If you want to dance the dance of God, you got to see it. you got to behold it. you got to look at it or hear it if it's the music. Whatever it is, you've got to become aware. Open your eyes to this great, vast, overwhelming, boundless, boundless love that Jesus has for you. If you don't see that, you won't dance. This love is over, it's beyond our imagination. And it's, it's like this huge ocean that never goes, it goes on and on and on and on. That's his love for you. And he draws you into that. See it. This isn't the kind of love that we've talked about before where it's, yes, God is love, but, but God, you don't know who I am. Yes, God, you're love, but this. Yes, God, you're love, but this. It's the understanding that God's love never ends. And whether you're a veteran Christian of 40 years or a brand new Christian of six months or today, it, every dance with God starts at the same place. You've got to stand. You've got to position yourself as a child of God. You don't outgrow this. You, don't, you can't outgrow this. You can't graduate from the school of God is love. We could preach. I have, the more I study this, the more I write about it, the more I talk to Greg about this stuff, the more I realize we could preach on this for years and never plummet this question. What is God is love? And the more I want to talk about it more. It's a little bit like this. Uh, I, talk, we were, I did some research on rhythms and music and dancing and and how that relates to our interaction with God. I was doing some research for a book, and um, I, through talking to some musicians, one musician said he's a, a guitarist, and he's a studio guitarist. And one of my friends asked him, uh, how, do you, how do you prepare yourself to play the guitar like you do? I mean, it's overwhelming how beautiful the music is that comes out of this. And his response was this. 
Every day, I do the same thing that my first music teacher taught me when I was a kid. I play the chords. I, I play the scales over and over and over. The same thing that I learned on the first day, I do today, every day. And if we want to do the dance, we start with the basics. We start with seeing who God is. Then as we enter into this movement with Jesus, how do we, how do we move? How do we let go and let God lead us through this? And it means you're going to have to lose some control. Surprise, surprise. If you want to learn how to dance, you can't be all rigid like me. Is it? You know, I can't even do it rigid well. Thank God Shauna's not in here listening to this sermon. We have to learn to lose control and let the Holy Spirit and Jesus lead us in this dance. And, it, and this is one of the reasons why we provide some of the venues that we do here to enter into the dance with God. Let me just point out four for you so that you can see how you might be able to participate in them. One is this Friday night, and we're having this worship event led by Rita Springer from North Carolina. And this is an opportunity for you to, to express your love to God and enter into God's love dance. You might be thinking, I don't know how to worship for two hours. Come and check it out for 15 minutes and see what happens. It doesn't work, no, no skin off your back. Come and check out what God is doing through worship, taking you deep into him. Another that we provide is uh, an, an exercise called Lectio Divina. And in our prayer journals that we provide at the, at the hub for these series that we have, for Scandalous Love, for instance, we have a, an exercise called Lectio Divina, which simply means listening to the scriptures. It's a spiritual listening, and it's a way to take one passage, one verse, and listen to it day after day after day and see what the Spirit is saying to you. It's not about knowledge. It's about entering into it. It's not about controlling the Bible. It's a lot about letting the Bible get into you. And if you have not tried that, I encourage you to look at that at the, in, the, in the prayer journal and see how that can lead you into the dance. Another is found in Greg's new book called Present Perfect, which you can see at the bookstore. Um, it's about, and, and Greg has actually preached on this here, about practicing the presence of God on an ongoing basis. And in this book and in other resources on this, we, he talks about uh, how do we just become aware of God's presence all the time? How do we hear the music of the music box day by minute by minute in each day? Then the fourth approach or way to enter the dance is what's called imaginative prayer. And this is a place where we set our minds in a, in a, a position of actually hearing God, seeing God, feeling God, preparing ourselves to experience God in the moment. God isn't just up there in heaven barking down commands. He's not just saying, I love you. He wants us to experience his love. And he invites you to experience this love. The Old Testament tells us to, in Psalms to be still and know that I am God. 
An imaginative prayer is about putting our imagination in a place where we're being still and hearing God and knowing Him for what He is. And we can do this a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's having a special place in our house to meet with God. Or sometimes it's having some music playing, like John Patton is doing now and going to help us enter into God's presence as we close the service. In fact, John recorded a CD that you can look at at the bookstore that can help you with this. It's about losing control and letting God speak to us and setting ourselves in that kind of place where we can see God and hear God. What I'd like for you to do and invite you to do this morning is to put yourself in a position of meeting with God right now. You might need to move around a little bit. You might need to lean forward or close your eyes or look to the ceiling or just change your posture because God wants to meet with you. I want you to get comfortable. If you just need to, if there's a seat near you, you want to slide down a little bit, that's okay. You can move around. You see, God wants to speak to you and wants to hear from you right now. And I'm going to lead you through this brief exercise of imaginative prayer. And then I want you to repeat these words after I say them. These are scriptures that God has spoken over us. And I'm going to read them slowly and I want you to repeat them to yourself. And speak this over yourself. And then we're going to have a brief interaction with Jesus. Repeat these to yourself after I read them. I am, a chi- I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I am a saint. I am complete in Christ. I am free forever from condemnation. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's temple. I am God's co-worker. I am God's workmanship. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. I am God's beloved. In this moment, Jesus wants to speak to you. What do you hear? you like to say back or express to Jesus in this moment? Overwhelm us with your love, Jesus, that we may understand what this dance of love looks like and enter into it freely. And be a people of love. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. We will have prayer teams at the front. If you would like prayer this morning or if this is something your first time you want to meet with Jesus and you're thinking, I, I want to explore this with Jesus, come and, and they will gladly pray with you. God bless.